warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. It's the Real Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies, with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here, down on the southeast corner of England, up a bit further north. It's my good friend, it's Stephen. Good morning, mate. Morning, and happy new year. <laughs> this is bizarre. I mean, the people who are following this chronologically, if they do listen to our episodes in order, they're going to be as lost as we are. We recorded New Year's episodes at the beginning of December, and this is our first get together since before Christmas and it is now early February so whenever this goes out which will be March, April, who knows possibly the end of April Um, but you know don't worry we're not going to be referencing too much about what's going on in the real world we're going to be talking about some classic British movies yeah because this is escapism from what's going on in the real world (laughs) we need it yeah we need it mate um Looking forward to this one. It's the continuation of Kitchen Sink, British New Wave. And all right, I was going to say we're, we're getting into the flow of this. In the legitimate picture of, you know, the 10 what are generally regarded as Kitchen Sink dramas, this is only number two. But we've been looking at about half a dozen previously, haven't we, leading up to this one. And can you see that the kitchen sink format is starting to gel here are we looking at proper classic what we would consider kitchen sink drama with this one yeah i mean obviously i think when we had the the last episode uh when we were talking about look back in anger mm. that was you know very much set with the the kitchen sink being part of <laughs> it was the actual uh <laughs> is a character almost yeah. in the in the film yeah. um but this yeah you you've got very much the the concentration on um, the working class and the reality of what the situation is for for people in that sense, and the other term that's associated with the whole genre is is the angry young man, which obviously this very much sits in the wheelhouse of. So you can absolutely see how this is um, a, a pivotal point in cinema as far as pushing that realism that was in some of the previous films pushing it on onto what is now considered to be this classic um set of films yeah lawrence harvey not as angry as richard burton as we'll discover let's play this little documentary thing that i've lined up which has become a bit of a tradition with the kitchen sink stuff we'll be back after this Novelist John Brain, born in Bradford in 1922, wrote 12 works of fiction throughout his lifetime. But it is undoubtedly his first novel, Room at the Top, that he is chiefly remembered for. 
Written in 1957 and adapted into a movie two years later, it cemented Brain firmly into the kitchen sink movement and created the next of the angry young men. The novel tells the story of the ruthlessly ambitious Joe Lampton and charts his rise from the petty bureaucracy of local government into a world of fast cars, inherited wealth and glamorous women. But tragedy and betrayal strike as this particular angry young man pursues his goals. The movie starred Lawrence Harvey as Lampton and featured Simon Signore, Donald Wolfitt, Donald Houston and Hermione Badley. It was directed by Jack Clayton and marked the beginning of his fairly impressive career. Clayton would go on to direct The Innocents starring Deborah Carr and the 1974 version of The Great Gatsby. It was nominated for six Academy Awards with wins for Signore as Best Actress and Neil Patterson who adapted the novel's screenplay. Hermione Badley, who was nominated in the Best Supporting Actress category, gave a performance lasting just 2 minutes and 32 seconds of screen time, the shortest ever to be nominated at the time. It was groundbreaking stuff. For the first time on screen, there was a true portrayal of the north of England. Sex was treated as something that could actually be fun and not sinful. Even the poster promised a savage story of lust and ambition. It was X-rated, gritty, emotional storytelling, and it changed British cinema forever. The angry young man had arrived, and the viewing audiences loved him. trailers must carry a U certificate, we are unable to show you scenes which the censor has passed for adult audiences only. Room at the top, sensationally serialized in the Daily Express. Now from the book's shock-provoking pages come the characters that have caused such a storm of emotion. Simon Signore, one of Europe's greatest stars, two-time award winner for the Best Actress of the Year, now in another brilliant portrayal as Alice Askill. She was French and all-woman, ten years older than Joe, ten years more experienced. Get it clear. From now on, you leave Alice alone. Understand me? Why won't you let her go? Why? Because she's my wife. Lawrence Harvey as Joe Lampton, bred in the slums, he wanted an Aston Martin and a girl with a Riviera tan and didn't care how he got them. Is that what Prim Joe wants? No, that's not what Joe wants. Heather Sears in her first role since her sensational performance as Esther Costello. Now as the young, innocent rich girl, Susan Brown. She was Joe's pathway to the top. Co-starring Donald Wolfitt as her father. Rich enough to buy anything and pay off anybody. I'll set you up on condition that you never see Susan again or communicate with her. But just get this into your head. If you refuse it, I'm going to break you. Promise me you'll never ever see her again. I can't do that. I'm going to see her just one more time. And 
tell her about us. You could write to her? I'm going to see her! Room at the Top, released in the UK, 1959. Now, we agreed, mate, didn't we, that this one and Look Back in Anger were both released the same year. There's a bit of confusion on the release dates, aren't there, because the premiere was one day and the actual official release date was another. We've we've decided to go in this order because Look Back in Anger, the, the term angry young man was definitely thrown at that movie. And this, we're, we're counting as the second, but it, it, this could have been the first, couldn't it? We're not too sure. It, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is one of them came out as a film uh, uh, before the other, whereas the other one, the source material um, predated exactly. the, the other. So yeah. there's an argument in both directions um, that people can make without anybody being right or wrong about which was, was first. Chicken and the so, egg, mate, isn't um, it, this one? It's, exactly. Um, and like we said, I think, the Osborne play was 56 or something, whatever it was, a couple of years previously. So it made sense to encompass the whole theatrical as well as the big screen new wave experience, you know. Okay, this one is directed by a guy called Jack Clayton and it stars Lawrence Harvey with Simon Senior A, Heather Sears, Donald Wolfitt, Donald Houston, Miley Badley, Raymond Huntley's in there. The synopsis. An ambitious young man from a poor family gets a job in a mill town in northern England. He woos the daughter of the richest man in town, but he also falls in love with a married woman with whom he has an intense affair. I've seen this a couple of times. Um, When I sat down to watch it last night, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't particularly looking forward to it because my memory of it was, oh, it's a bit intense for a Friday night. I was in the mood for something a bit more light-hearted last night it was you know that just wanted to watch a comedy but once it started and i mean what i watched was a a brand new blu-ray bfi copy of it on a fairly new tv that i've bought quite a large screen and straight away i thought oh this looks good and i was i was instantly drawn into it which was probably obvious right from the start when you realize the cinematographer was freddie francis who we've spoken about previously on this show but instantly it was like Okay, the subject matter can be quite a bit depressing, but I found myself drawn into it from the start with the characters, the storyline, the whole visual. For, for a kitchen sink movie, it's it's not typical. Almost, I'm 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 getting ahead of myself. I'm trying to get too much here in with me opening sentence. Have you seen this before? Let's go back to you. Have you seen this before? Yes, I have. Right. Yeah. Uh, must admit that I have seen the sequel more recently than I've seen seen ah, this. Right, but um, okay. but I've seen uh, I've I've only seen the sequel once. Uh, whereas I think I've seen this three times. I think okay. um, before watching it um, again for the podcast. Mm. Um, and I understand what you're saying about it. it it's definitely when you compare it to. Uh, some of the other stuff that we've watched, you, you, it does stand out in a different way, and uh, I can understand what you're saying about the fact that it's not a, um, it's not a rip roaring comedy. Um, no, so if that's no. what you're in the mood for, it doesn't quite sit. But then a but lot of these aren't, are they? I mean, 
we we can yeah. argue that a taste of honey is probably one of the more light-hearted of of, of the sequence we're going to go through, and, and we're we're going to include Alfie at some point, which is very yeah. you know. But yeah, for anybody that wants to sit and watch something that is going to be, you know, tickle their funny bone, the kitchen sink dramas are probably not the best place to start. But it didn't matter that the subject matter was very dark, very daring for the time. Um, I believe this is the first instance of the sex act being mentioned on the British screen in, in a roundabout way. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's um, it is quite groundbreaking in, in in that sense. I mean, it got an X certificate, yes. uh, I think, didn't it? So yep. um, you remember from from which release? Oh, yes. um, but um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I mean, and so it, it was quite quite daring and obviously mm. um not just portraying the um the sort of extramarital affairs and, and stuff like this um in such a way it, it, it's not painting people as just being downright evil there's complications to that whole premise and it, it's showing it not necessarily sympathetically but it's it's showing it more contextually and I think that is something that hadn't been done before. People um, having an affair, they, they were uh, they were painted in a different light previously, really, and especially especially uh, when it comes to class. Um, that's the big you know, thing. It's one of the one of those things where you know, question that's been thrown around on Twitter a lot recently. I've seen you know what is what is considered uh, posh when it's done uh, by the upper class and and um, wrong when it's done by the lower class. And um, <laughs> you know, having an affair. Um, and the mixture of the classes that we have in this, it it, it shows the, that entire thing in, in a different light, I think. And that hadn't really been done in such a film that had had such a, a wide attention before. It probably had in some stuff that was, you know, wasn't didn't really getting any attention. But this was the first time it was it, it was front of of screen and, and central. Um, so you're right, absolutely, with that bit. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of. <sighs> not criticism, but it was pointed out at the time that for this to be part of that canon of the kitchen sink dramas, it needed to have been directed by someone like Tony Richardson or Lindsay Anderson, John Schlesinger, you know, the guys that we're going to be discovering as we go on our journey through these movies. And it's not, it's done by Jack Clayton, who, I don't know, he'd been working for 20 years previously. He wasn't, one of the new kids on the block. You know, he was an, a veteran of the movie industry, the British film industry, certainly. And, you know, he used to do things like those old Will Hay, those old Will Hay movies, those, those that sort of genre. You know, he was known for working in movies from the 30s and the 40s. So it, it quite rightly sits smack bang at the beginning part of this this journey we're going on. The class thing, as you say, is highly evident throughout what we think is going to be a working class story. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll know better than this. Where, where was it set? Is it Bradford? It's it, Obviously, it's, it's put in a, a fictional town that's kind of on the border mm. um, between Lancashire and Yorkshire, yeah. and, and you get the impression that it, what it's trying to do is trying to imply... To the people in Yorkshire, that um, that their town is is one or the other, and and, right. and vice versa for the, for the um, 
for the Lancastrians. Um, <laughs> and it is it is very much, you know, the 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 accents are the attempted accents um, oh, yes. uh, are very much on on the border there of the the broad Yorkshire and and Lancashire border. Um, but it's mostly filmed around um, Halifax and and Bradford. So it's definitely that part of of England. Because I think it was filmed partly in Bradford. I think I read, but as you said, it's a generic, a generic industrial town up north, basically. Yeah, we got loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the thing, the class thing we're talking about. That this is evident throughout, isn't it? Because there's this rivalry between the well, not rivalry, but there's this definite distinction between the two towns that are mentioned certainly between the families that we meet and the interaction between all the friends, the married couples um, there's a devastating bit of class distinction towards the end resulting in, in a quite a severe bit of violence at the end of the movie I loved it, I mean I said I, I went into this for the second or third time not looking forward to it and I came out of this thinking this is the best watch of it I've had and instantly I wanted to carry on going into the next sequence, next movie in the sequence let's talk about Lawrence Harvey because a bit of contention there with the accent was he the right man for this at all no disrespect to him mm. but I'm not sure he was um, as you say, he wasn't quite the angry young man. He was—he had a chip in his shoulder for for sure. Yeah. Some of that was of his own making, um, and his reaction to things. I think, he, and a lot of it more, he, he was sort of the character was was more sort of suspicious and and ready to to react to things. But as a as an you know, as you say, as whether he was the right person as an actor for it, I don't think he necessarily was. And certainly, the guy who. Um, actually wrote the the book that this was uh, based on John Brain. Yeah. Um, he, you know, it's quoted as saying that he didn't um, approve of Lawrence Harvey being uh, playing the part. You know, it maybe should have gone to um, somebody else who. It's an I, Albert I, Finney role, isn't it? Or yeah, I think the I think the way he described him, you know, he, that he he played it um, not quite as as straight, and he was he had been you know. Sort of more of the, he was less he was less rough than than he wanted him to be, you know, as he was portrayed in the book. And I think, I think it works maybe better in the film to some extent that is like that because it allows for the transition. Because as you said before yeah. about the class thing, yeah. you've got him being looked down upon by the 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 those that are the the upper class, the top, um, from the actual title, mm-hmm. um, yep. and yet he, he gets perceived as being being further up the chain himself by what were his contemporaries um, who, who don't know who he was at a, a certain stage in the, the film. And, you know, certainly the what is the, the top within this <laughs> this uh, industrial town in Yorkshire mm. is um, is certainly not the, the top of the... Um, they'd still be looked down upon from people elsewhere in the of country course. as far as um, the, the top... Yeah, I don't think Lawrence Harvey maybe was the right person, and I think it's right to to maybe raise that. And I think he he made it. He was he was clearly clearly trying. Um, so you're not going <laughs> to diminish that. And he does have acting talent. And I think it was just slightly miscast, but not enough, not enough to throw me out the film or to to no, annoy me. No. But it just wasn't quite quite right, really. 
it didn't quite sit right with me. The more, at, at, at the beginning I was fine with it, but the more I was sort of focusing on him, and it wasn't so much that the accent wasn't quite right, it was just, the big thing that threw me, wasn't so much Lawrence Harvey as well, was the time period. Now, there's at one point in the movie when he's talking to Simone Signore, he says he's only 25 because she's this older older woman that he's having the affair with. But before, we've learned he was a prisoner of war. He was a, a he flew Wellington bombers, didn't he? And he got caught early in the war. And he's saying he's only 25. And I'm trying to work this out. And I'm thinking, well, this film's 1959. Yeah. How could he be only 25? And it's not until you see the letter that he gets from the factory, you realise this movie's actually set in 1947. Did, did, did you pick up yeah, on that? Yeah, I mean, the difficulty <laughs> was, he was, was saying about his parents being killed um, in an air raid. Yeah. And and uh, initially you're thinking he was a lot younger when that happened, and then you're and, and then you realising, no, he was he, he was a, an adult and therefore a prisoner of war and all this kind of stuff. And it yeah. does, it do, it does absolutely, the, the time frame... You know, I'm watching it thinking it's 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 almost set contemporary. Well, the, the, um, and the, it the isn't. fashions and you know the fashions, the hairstyles, yeah, are, are all screaming 1959 here. Yeah, so. the dresses on the on the ladies, for example, Susan Brown, the you know, Hevershire Sears, um, mm. is wearing particularly and and stuff. It it, it yeah, it does <laughs> seem to just slightly dis- get it disjointed that it doesn't have the same um, continuity in in that sense, um, which. We picked up upon. I'm not sure anybody else necessarily would if they were watching it. Um, to be honest, I think we're just a bit more peculiar like that. <laughs> well, it's confirmed, as I say. You see the date on the letter that says 1947. Yeah. But up to that point, I'm thinking, well, this is a this is a 1959 set movie, which would make sense, you know, because of the angry young man, because of the the. British New Wave movement, you know, it was and the cusp and the cusp of the the 60s, where you know. The morality and mores have been yeah been opened up. The whole storyline it sits perfectly in an X-rated movie, you know. Yeah, Lawrence Harvey is interesting. There, you said that he he's a he's a good choice because he sits in that middle ground between the classes, you know, because he can pass off as something a bit higher than what he is, but he's definitely got these working class roots. That was spotted, believe it or not, by John Wayne. Right. Right, because um, this film was massive. It got nominated for Palm Doors and uh, Oscars and BAFTAs, you know, boundless amounts of them. And John Wayne saw Lawrence Harvey and cast him in The Alamo the following year, which was the start of Harvey's sort of Hollywood period, because he wanted this more refined dignity to the character he was playing. So he must have spotted something in this performance, you know. And, and in reality, I think Lawrence Harvey was Lithuanian or Estonian or something mm. like that. Yeah, there's something like that. It was because, yeah, I think that's what the John Brain had said, mm. uh, referring to him as not the right. He he, he was thinking of him as being a hard, uh, hard bit and Yorkshireman rather than a, a Lithuanian, se- uh, metrosexual, basically <laughs> something like that. But um, I mean, I know you know John Wayne having uh, been. Been complimentary about him. I know that um, there was something about um, Jane Fonda. Yeah, was was say said it wasn't so complimentary about him. She said it, it was something about um, that acting opposite him was was basically like um, 
think she said it was like acting on your own or, or acting against yourself or something like that. Mm. Um, she she wasn't as complimentary because uh, they must have appeared in some film um, together. Mm. Um, I'm not diminishing him uh, as an actor myself. No. Um, it's just um, choice wise whether whether it was was right. And I mean as a character um, in the film, uh, yep. taken away from from the actor, but as a character, it, it fits in with what we've, we've oh. already had. We've looked back in anger where yeah. you're not. You're not expected to necessarily sympathise with with him. Um, <laughs> he's true. like he's he's an anti-hero, which again is something I think is is um, something that this uh, the kitchen sinks um, uh, brought to the fore more than previously had happened in films that the the lead um, wasn't a hero or wasn't a, a victim that you were you were um, sympathising with. You he was somebody who might not have any necessarily redeeming features uh, but was still uh the, the the lead in that way um and he, he's he's is the opposite to what we had in look back and anger in some senses because he's he's somebody who, who comes from a lower background has married better than himself and mm-hmm. um you know doesn't achieve his goal through that that whereas um obviously you know well, look back in anger, it's not achieved. But, um, you know, Lawrence Harvey's character does do that in, in this, but then still isn't happy with it. So yeah. you've got to wonder whether it's the girl itself that isn't um, maybe the the winning thing since uh, neither of them is happy with, with their aspirations and how they're fulfilled. Yeah, that, that um, whole pursuit of Susan, his obsession with her for the first act. The more I was sort of getting into the movie, I'm thinking... Why? Why are you just so obsessed? Is it because it's the unattainable? Is that what he was focused on? Um, it, that and the social standing, but it's not just the social standing thing, despite... And in fact, this is kind of covered a bit um, in some of the conversations with others, mm. that it's not just the social standing. It, it is her what she represents and, and in, in that sense, and the unattainable, and that's why in the film his reaction... Uh, which not to you know with no spoilers, but the way his reaction does have you know play out when um, when he starts attaining certain things within the film, um, it it kind of shows that um, the grass is greener and be careful what you 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 ask you you really um, you really want. Because yeah, because don't they say you you've attained as much as you're going to get here, and you're going to have to settle for life in a. Isn't it they settle for life in a semi-detached with a second-hand Austin or something like that? That is going to be the pinnacle of what you're going to achieve. But even then, you know, he he wants more. Um, Yeah, I mean, although I can understand him, you know, ending up in a situation where where his real um, affection and um, passion is uh, is with Alice, with uh, Simone. (laughs) because <laughs> uh, you know certainly uh, she's a, a lot more um, attractive um, proposition in my, <laughs> my my estimations um, rather than this annoying child basically it's a child isn't it a yeah. spoiled brat yeah um, in a lot of ways um, where this you know this central um, and she's not that mature really um, certainly playing playing older than she actually was, but mm. certainly uh, certainly more attractive and more more sophisticated in many ways. And despite not being moneyed 
so yes, I can understand why it plays out where his affections actually do lie and, and the dissatisfaction that then plays out. But whether it is the, the idea of the unattainable um, and then you attain it, it, it yeah. I think you've got a point. Yeah, I mean, there's a great scene. I mean, all the... Uh, well, start again. Susan, Susan is sent away by her parents because they can see there is a danger that she is going to fall under his charms. So the affair with Alice intensifies. Um, but even then, still, he's, he's still got this feeling that he has won. Doesn't he say something about they've, they've fallen into my hands, they've sent her away because they know... Because they're afraid of me. Yeah, yeah he's crowing about it. Yeah, eventually. But then you get this lovely relationship with Alice, which, which obviously doesn't mature, and and it's great. They are a perfect couple. They would have, they would have made that perfect couple. And there's also the influence of of best mate Hermione Gingold, who, believe it or not, I think did she win the Oscar? Hermione Gingold. Uh, sorry. Hermione Badley, yeah. Badly, sorry, yeah. She, yeah. She, yeah. I mean, I think there's one of the trivia bits from it is that her her performance is the the, the shortest ever screen time. That was it. For, yeah. for being nominated, I don't I don't know if she won, but she yeah. was nominated for for her performance, and it was about two two minutes and something, <laughs> something like um, that. That it was, and it's the shortest. And I mean, I, I, we've seen her in in things before. Uh, a number of, of things, and we'll get onto that at a certain point about oh, yes. r- r- appearances. Mm. But um, certainly, you know, she's she's not a, a something new to us, and we, you know, we know she's one of the stalwarts of British cinema in these in the background. Mm. But I'm not sure her performance there was enough there to really grasp on. I don't know, you <laughs> but, know, no disrespect to her, but I don't know why it actually did get the attention yeah, it did with her. But I can understand it, the others who what, got nominated, but not. Maybe her. What it did do, I think it's just answered my question that I sort of posed at the beginning about me not looking forward to this, thinking it was going to be a bleak, dark, depressing movie. She does actually bring a little bit of light relief. It's not a, an overblown comedic performance, but it's enough. She's the voice of realism. She's the voice of, of reality here. You know, she's the one that says to Lawrence Harvey, you do know that she does love you, doesn't she? Even though she's got this... Is her husband a solicitor? Colonel, yeah, yeah. Colonel Twitching from Forty Towers, isn't it? It's him. That's a uh, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm jumping backwards and forwards. She's here. us. Um, She's us, isn't she? That's what yeah. the, you know. We have this in films that there's you know, the the best films usually you know of this nature. They have a character who is us, who is the audience, who is voicing certain um, certain things or, or making observations in the film. Are providing a, a viewpoint um, on what's going on for for us as the audience, and and she is that, um, and absolutely, you know, being pointed out to him about what's going on right before his eyes that he's not seeing um, is what we're all all seeing. And That's you know. true. Yeah, and we also witness that the influence of Alice herself, Simone Signore's character, gradually starts to melt that frostiness that he's sort of got initially towards her. And I read something somewhere online that deep down also, he's a bit of a coward because there's the scene where Alice's wife, 
confronts him and takes away the cigarette case. Yeah, I, yeah, he, he comes in, doesn't he? The, the 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 husband comes in and takes away the cigarette case that she's um, she's given mm. him, um, and you know that is very confrontational because he tries to play it off initially by offering him a cigarette from the cigarette case, yeah. which is an attempt to show some kind of, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm confident in front of you enough to be able to show this present to you without fearing your reaction, um, but then gets immediately turned back on him. Yeah, and he, he doesn't have thing. the strength to be able to stand his ground. And I think, to be honest, throughout the entire film, the, there's there's the there's a cowardice to um, his his character in a way, in a lot of respects, with the the way that he's wanting the easy um, route and um, to what he wants to attain, and doesn't, you know, that's why he's not happy with it. I think because he hasn't actually earned it. But um, I think he's he's not willing to to stand up in the right way, and and it's all. It's not quite scheming and in the shadows as you'd expect in some other films when somebody's maybe making a play for for somebody's daughter or whatever yeah. but this is, is this is more it, it, in fact it's worse than that in some respects because it's more opportunism rather than it being a because this thing thing that you said about oh they've sent her to the um south of france that's mm. not something he was angling for them to do it's just it just happens and then he, t- he takes advantage of it exactly so yeah. it, i don't think he's got that cleverness to him either that um to to then mean he can have confidence that the results that come of it is something that he um, has achieved and has earned and can actually feel cocky That's about. That's right. It's he's, just circumstance, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So I think that does diminish the character's um, confidence um, and uh, obviously uh, likability in some sense. One thing I'm noticing as we're getting into the the ten now, uh, and I'm only two in, so it's, it's still early days. People usually talk about the focus of the movie being that big, aggressive, um, leading man. You know, we, we had Richard Burton, we've got Lawrence Harvey now, we're going to get Albert Finney and Tom Tom Courtney and all those guys coming up. But just taking the two movies that we've done recently, um, Room at the Top and Look Back in Anger, Look Back in Anger, we said, and we highlighted this early on, Mary Ewer gave a fantastic performance in that film that was never yeah. really spoken about. Simone Signore in this. Fantastic, you know, equally. So a lot of people's um, perceptions of the kitchen sink dramas is, is the angry young man. It is male-focused. We're going to find that the women and the female actors play equal if not bigger apart wait till we get to a taste of honey when we get dora bryan for god's sake you know we're gonna be we're gonna be changing people's perceptions of what they think that the british new wave is all about i think i think generally speaking the the angry young man films wouldn't be um really majority of them wouldn't be worth paying any attention to if it wasn't for the the females um playing opposite them yeah Uh, the characters would be would be shallow and um they, they would be shouting into a void and they would be uninteresting because they've got to have something to play off against and it is the strength of those actresses and the actual characters that they're they're set up against that is the the the, the strength really i mean mm. you can take it all the way through to um spring and port wine um oh yeah 
the, the you know the the in itself you know James Mason on his own um, as a character wouldn't be anything without the the females around him um, giving flesh to the the, the character. That's absolutely. I, I fully expect you to be shown right on that because I can already see from my knowledge of the films that we are going to be reviewing that that is the case in mm. vast majority of them. The female leads make them the films that they are, yeah. um, and there wouldn't be that with just the, the 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 male leads being angry young men, and that's all it takes to make a film is an angry young man because it, it really doesn't. I think we'll find as we go along we're going to be paying more attention to the cast as a whole, not just the leads, I think, as we go through these movies. Because we know for a fact that this particular set of movies made stars of those male leads. You know, we know that Albert Finney got his springboard from this and Richard Burton, although was a big Hollywood actor, this was a major movie for him in, in Look Back in Anger. And, as I say, Billy Liar. All of those movies, we got we got a great sequence of films coming up talking about actors actresses as we do get your keys out mate i've got a funny feeling we've got a few visitors to the hall of fame this week Okay, I haven't checked this, mate. There are plenty of famous faces here in the background, in the foreground, lurking in the shadows. Who's in? Who's out? Who's who's waiting patiently in the wings to enter the Village Hall of Fame? We've got quite a, a, a surprising for a film that um, it was probably at the time was was drawing upon a different set of, of talent. It was perhaps where these people went on to, mm. and it, it, that's maybe a, a certainly an indictment of this film. Um, that a lot of these people um, went on to appear more frequently in other things because of their appearance in this film, yep. perhaps of them. But certainly, I mean, if you uh, if you don't include Freddie Francis and, and Jack Clayton mm-hmm. um, as, as cinematographer, and because um, we've obviously had Jack Clayton before with uh, the Innocence, of course, um, yes. So um, and Freddie Francis and Freddie will, Francis, will uh, yeah. repeat repeatedly a prayer but um without those two we've, we've still got 17 people who are having their <laughs> second appearance so i, I won't go through listing all, no, all of those no. because that would be forever the only thing to point out is that um one of those is um lawrence harvey um making his second appearance because right, uh, okay. he did have a he did have an uncredited role um in um seven days to noon did he yeah, blink and you'll miss him. Uh, one exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I fully expect Ian Hendry to appear be um, again yeah. soon, as well as Darren uh, Nesbitt, because they're they're yeah. familiar faces. Uh, just so, just accidentally happens that we haven't had those before. It's also worth worth not noting just in, in passing that this is the second appearance for Prunella Scales. First thing, very first scene in the council offices. Prunella Scales and Wendy Craig, both looking Wendy about, Craig, yeah, yeah, both looking about twelve years old. I know they were probably older, but they looked so baby faced. And it's yeah. just like you know, when you think it's the stalwarts of future British sitcoms. Yeah. Both there together. 
Yeah, that was brilliant. Um, Ian Hendry's film debut, I believe. First recorded film uh, right. appearance. Um, and yeah, Freddie Francis, we will see again. And and Jack Clayton, I'm sure we will see again very soon. So yeah, yeah, no, no point in going through the 17. No, no. So um, we've actually got um, four people who are finally getting into the... Okay, inductees, um, yep. So these are these are the important. Mm-hmm. So so it's Isla Cameron. Okay. Uh, don't know previously why. in um, in Primary Gene Brody and the Innocents. Jack Hendley, who was in Harrow Won the War and A Night to Remember. <laughs> Night to Remember um, because, because exactly who, because who wasn't in Night to Remember? Um, at some point, I'm going to do a. Oh, Jack night. Hedley, yes. Yeah. Oh, no. at, some, at some point, I'm going to do a, 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 a look and see which other film had the most Night to Remember actors in it. Um, <laughs> so we've got that. Um, the very familiar face of Raymond Huntley. Brilliant. One um, of my He's finally, finally making his appearance, and it won't be the last time we see him definitely because he was in Passport to Pimlico and, and the Dam Busters well deserved yep so absolutely and as I say we'll we'll see plenty more of him because he uh, he seems to be in mostly everything so I'm surprised it's <laughs> taken this long um, Sheila Rayner okay. was in Violent Playground and Dunkirk I think she's less yeah less well recognised we have got um, three people who are making their fourth appearance <laughs> okay one of which is the aforementioned Hermione Badley um so um bless her to to say it's always nice to to be able to see her what run through um all the films but curiously she was in uh, room at the top no sorry room at the top, not room at the top she was in um it always rains in on sunday which was one of oh. the previous films we we covered um, in yep. this series yeah uh, everly greg and uh, beatrice valley as well with with the fourth appearances and so we won't spend too much time going through lists of films when they get to the higher higher number of appearances mm, no, no. and things. Um, we do have one person making their fifth appearance, which is uh, John Welsh. Again, you're you're just plucking names out of the air here. I've got no idea who John Welsh is. <laughs> no, it's, uh, again, one of the, you know probably sat in the pub um, or a taxi driver or, or, or things like that are, are people. Um, that we we have here. Yeah. Um, same as the person who's got the well, actually no a bit more recognisable actually at least the name the the person making their sixth appearance through this film is uh, Bag- Basil Dignam. Now I know that name. We know that name. Yeah, yeah. Carry On Sergeant, Heavens Above, Ten and Millington Place, uh, Sapphire, and, and Private's Progress. So so yeah. Apart from that, the only uh, extra um, person we have is um, somebody making their ninth appearance. <laughs> Oh, you're kidding. I didn't think we'd have one. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Heimer Beckley. Again, I think I only know the name yeah. through this um, particular you might, you might recognise the face when you look carefully, but it's another one of these uh, sort of... They're not really the, the foreground players. Um, I mean, I will say what they they were in previously. They were in the likes of The Plank and Man Who Haunted Himself, Night uh, to Remember, obviously, Passport Pimlico. You know, just... Um, it, <laughs> it, it goes on rebel, the rebel. You know, there's quite a, a lot in in there. But yes, yeah, certainly, it's very nice to to be able to welcome in the people who are finally making it into the um, the hall of fame, and, and yeah. um, not to diminish the others. But yeah, Raymond Huntley, Raymond Huntley um, been one. been been the I think the one that stands out most this time round, just because he's a he's such a familiar face and has yeah. and has, has done. 
he's done you know okay did play a bit of a stereotype a lot of the time um in films he was the the civil servant or the the magistrate or 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 whatever but um he did it well every time so why not there's there's three levels I'm, i'm sort of learning now as we rapidly head towards episode 100 there's three levels to the hall of fame there's sort of like the upper echelons where we've we've said this all along that we thought would be your John Mills, your Laurence Olivier's, um, you know, we th- we thought though the Richard Attenboroughs, we thought they would be dominating yeah. this. There's this middle ground now we're finding, which are people like your Raymond Huntley's, your Richard Wattis's, um, yes. all of those character actors. Sid James is going to be in that middle bit. You know, that were in absolutely everything, but never received top billing, you know. But the ones that are dominating it are the ones we don't know. The one, but, but saying that, we now know and love Victor Harrington and Guy Stand even. And Fred Griffith, yeah, yeah and, and stuff, yeah. We're, we're spotting um, them And Marion Stone. Of course, Let's the Duchess. Forget the Duchess. <laughs> we, we are spotting these people now without even... You know, at the wedding scene I was looking in the crowd I'm, I'm doing stuff like this now <laughs> looking for Victor Harrington who, who isn't in this flipping quickly through IMDB there are dozens and dozens and dozens of uncredited appearances on this yes and and they're quite big names when you, when you look at the faces you, you probably don't know who John Welsh is but you know who he is by, by looking at him Prunella Scales wasn't credited the big one for me Uncle Nat, you know when he goes back to the family home? Un- Uncle Nat was Wilfred Lawson, you know, who appeared in yeah. lots of stuff, but he didn't even get a credit. There's more of a cameo, I think, with him. What- uh, Miriam Carlin as well, we recognise her first, and she yeah. was, I think, another one of the office girls, perhaps. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. these people um, hidden in, in there and end up appearing elsewhere, and we recognise them. Um, but, yeah, it, it certainly, I think it did, bring a lot of people into other films being able to say they've been in this even if they've been um uncredited or or they hadn't had a speaking part they were you know being able to say they've been in this film considering the the attention and uh, praise it got certainly would have allowed a number of them like ian hendry to say um to start off his career in this no wonder he continued to have a career exactly and it's, it's just a really big cast that you're not aware of if you were to look at the you know the credits it, it just lists the, the top dozen people and 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 that is a, a bit I, I don't know what your opinion on this is but i think for for me the uh the kitchen sinks at least the core ones mm. um they, they don't tend to have such big casts either um maybe not as as truncated as we had look back in anger where there was basically sort of you know, eight people in the entire cast. Because it was based um, on a play, I suppose, so the cast but, would but, have been small. But a lot of the other ones are still not this sprawling um, cast of, yeah, of, ex- of, ex- of extras in the same way. Yeah, I mean, there's some amazing talent in there, and it's um, credit to, to the this film that it, it launched careers or bolstered careers to the point where some of these people became more recognisable for us. Yeah. Overall... General impressions of the movie. I'm just going. I'll, I'll quickly tell you mine. I mean, again, I was going into it a little bit half-hearted, but within five minutes, it got me. The the faults that we've mentioned about Lawrence Harvey in particular can be easily brushed under the carpet, because you know, for whatever we're nitpicking, we can we can easily ignore those. 
the thing that stands out for me and it does set this aside from some of the others is is the freddie francis cinematography some of the landscapes are absolutely superb they've, they've chosen locations correctly and quite impressively i think in this movie the performances from simone signore heather sears even though she was an annoying spoiled little brat must have done her job because that's what i came away with thinking you're a horrible annoying spoiled little brat rich kid <laughs> proves she's a great actress we've said that before if they've given that you know the reaction that you they're expecting you to have nice to see raymond huntley early appearances like we said for Darren Nesbitt and all of these guys that we've just mentioned before. Heather Sears actually just going back to her I was looking at her thinking oh yeah she's the good woman that was in everything when you look at her filmography she was in hardly anything at all. It was a lot of TV stuff after this but I always thought she was always popping up in one of the Doctor movies or just those British comedies of the 50s but we never see her at all. Nice to see Donald Houston. Big fan of Donald Houston. And I think, as a starting... Let me ask you this before you give us your general... Is this a good starting point for the Angry Young Man movies rather than Room at the Top? Because I think... uh, Sorry, rather than Look Back in Anger. Because, personally, I think people will get very annoyed at Look Back in Anger with Burton's performance. We said he was just... He wasn't an angry young man. He just was mentally unwell. I think this is absolutely the case that... This is more of a conventional film that uh, that is um, more transitional from um, the previous things that we've had that we were saying with the precursors. Um, mm. Having having that social context playing out in the narrative and the plot um, is is it's more something that somebody could could watch without it. It feeling like they were having to make an adjustment to a different type of film, yeah. which I think they have to do with Look Back in Anger because it is such a, a you know, a one-room play and also the characters being, you know, as you say, being either mentally unwell, unwell or just, um, like, bombastic and mm, so angry. Yeah. I think this is this is easier easier to take in. And, I mean, it's... it's um, so in that sense, I, f- I think you're absolutely right. This would this is an easier step in with to the, the genre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we could both agree that both movies were certainly groundbreaking. You know, for them to come together at almost the same point in time for them to be released, it's difficult to sort of say. You know, where did this movement start? Well, we know the movement started with Osborne. We think in '56 with the play, but then there was also, you know, a literature and poetry and art and all that sort of stuff that contributed towards it. I think we've done the right thing by giving this run-up to the ten, and then having this interspersed with other movies that we think could be part of it, were influenced, you know, whatever. I like the fact that we're now just about getting our teeth into the core now of of the movies and i'm looking forward to certainly taste of honey and saturday night sunday morning we've got the entertainer coming up next which is again a little bit of a departure but it's also based on a play so there's going to be some similarities there to look back in anger so we're looking forward to that one general feelings and sort of closing thoughts mate on on your watch of it this time round 
I, I agree with you that you, what you said about coming into it um, and sort of taking a sigh before switching on because you realise it's not um, a laugh a minute film. <laughs> yeah. So um, as I usually uh, put in, that it, it has to be watched um, with the right frame of mind. Yeah. Um, so if it's not your thing or you're not in the right mood, then you won't won't enjoy it. But if if you're in that frame of mind that you're prepared for it, and this would be easier to prepare for than uh, look back in anger. Certainly, this is is such a film and such a um, a level of of not not just notoriety but actual quality with regards to setting up the rest of films going onwards because it not just within the kitchen sink but I think in some other ways it influenced um, other films as we mm. said springboarding a bit more the, the attitudes being portrayed on the screen towards class and extramarital affairs and stuff like that. I think this is film that really people should uh, make a, an effort to go and, and see beyond just those that are film fans because but um, if you are a film fan this is absolutely essential that oh, you watch yeah, it at least yeah, once yeah. Um, because this is, is such a, a pivotal film in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the perform- As you say we're nitpicking over the, the some of the you know Lawrence Harvey being whether he was correctly cast or not, but that's a that's a sensitivity on our part rather than it being anything that does detract from the film. I soon got um, over that though, mate. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the main characters um, they all played uh, their their parts um, to to a plum, really. Yep. And uh, you know, this is why. Now, of the, of the main characters, there's only one of them I felt was in any way likable, um, yeah. and unfortunately, she doesn't. Um, She's the star of this for me, mate. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it meant, I'm you know intending to go and because obviously I've seen it before. Yeah. But for some reason, it didn't strike me as much as it did this time round. Mm. We we do say when we look at films for the podcast, we we pay attention to it in a different way to when we're just watching it normally. Yeah. And I think in this respect, um, I, you know, it's made me want to go and, and get more of her. So we'll, uh, we'll start, we'll start see. calling you Lawrence Harvey. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was toying between five stars and four for this. It was when, when I've reviewed this previously on letterbox, I gave it four stars and I was very tempted to notch this up one more, but there's just something, just holding back I think I'm going to have to watch it again because it is a genuine classic it's groundbreaking it's certainly worth watching for its place in history certainly within the history of British movies the supporting cast is flawless in this absolutely flawless so I'm looking forward to going on to the entertainer mate have you seen that with Laurence Olivier I have but it's been a long time that's one of the ones I've I've watched less frequently so um, that will be uh, almost like a fresh watch for me I think yeah, a little bit different before we get into the real Albert Finney type era. Anyway, that was Room at the Top. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with what we're watching next time. Mr. Aesgill, what can I... Sit down. What can I do for you? Cigarette? Nice case you have there. You know why I'm here, Alice tells me she wants to divorce me. Well, I'm not agreeable. You haven't any choice. She's my wife, and she's going to remain my wife. I want to make this quite clear to you. She has no grounds for divorce. Everybody knows the way you treat Alice about you and your women. But nobody can prove anything. The difference between you and me is that I haven't been indiscreet enough to leave evidence lying around. Meaning what? Just this. If she brings an action for divorce, I'll fight it. 
I'll smear you both across the headlines. It'll make fine reading. Elspeth's flat, the naked bathing in Dorset and all the rest of it. How did you know? I make it my business to know. It'll break you because you can't stand a scandal like that and you know it. And you won't get Alice either because I still won't let her go. You can't hold her. Maybe she can't divorce you, but she can leave you. You can't stop her from leaving you. Can you keep her? I can keep her. Because I love her. She's ten years older than you and she hasn't a penny of her own. If she leaves me, I'll sue you for enticement. Then you won't be able to support even yourself. You've got everything pretty well worked out, haven't you? I have. There are no loopholes. Get it clear. From now on, you leave Alice alone. Understand me? Why won't you let her go? Why? Because she's my wife. That's why. Are you trying to tell me you still love her? I'm not trying to tell you anything. I've let you off lightly. There'll be no more warnings. Okay, let's take a break from the kitchen sinks for a while. It's over to you, my friend. It's your choice for the next show. What are we going to be watching, mate? Right. Well, I did consider actually um, bringing a film about um, uh, somebody having a room at the top, oh. um, because. but then I couldn't remember whether that's um, what happened in Shallow Grave or not, whether it was oh. <laughs> um, a, top, a top floor room or, or not. So yeah. I decided to, to forego that one. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm keeping us in the same general area of the country um, uh, in Yorkshire here. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not? Um, that's where I'm from. Uh, it might not surprise you then uh, knowing that little tidbit of information where I'm going on this one. Um, it's something that is a bit more comedic in, in, despite having some some romance and uh, no you know, some, some comment on it. Um, it's uh, more recent showing where these communities might be about 40 years later um Uh and what's happening to them so it's uh from 1996 um it's brassed off as soon as you said that you were staying in yorkshire and a bit more light-hearted i thought you've been itching to bring that to the table Uh, to be fair i have been i've been wanting to for a while yeah do you know what i haven't seen it (laughs) no i'm pretty again it's one of those it was in the wilderness years again um fully aware of I think I've seen bits and pieces it's Tara Fitzgerald and it's Ewan McGregor isn't it And yeah it's Ewan McGregor bringing possibly. out his Yorkshire accent again that he had in um, Little Voice oh of course yeah which yeah. I, which to be fair he didn't do too badly with considering he's Scottish there so he, he certainly did that better than he yeah. did Alec Guinness so <laughs> looking forward to that let's lighten the mood a little and it's always good for me to see something that i haven't seen before so brilliant fantastic choice if you hadn't have brought that to the table i would have done very soon mate to be honest good yeah 
well, New Year, even though this probably is going out in about April. Happy Easter. Who knows? But we're going to celebrate it by the time we see this, this sees the light of day. Pleasure to talk to you once again on a Saturday morning, my friend. I will see you in a couple of weeks' time. You as well, Matt. Cheers. Take care. Take care. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.